A lot has happened over this break, these last three weeks or so. Dozens of our students just got back from joining our missionaries at a Focus C conference in St. Louis, joining 17,000 Catholics all together in a conference um, to grow closer to our Lord. Sadly, Pope Benedict Emeritus XVI passed away during that time too. His funeral was just this last Thursday in Rome. And on top of that, today we celebrate the Solemnity of the Epiphany, when the wise men followed that star to find Christ in Bethlehem. And it's a priest uh, who likes to always try to say too much in one homily. I'm going to try to take all three of those ideas and put it in one place right now. And uh, don't blame me for it. I haven't preached in three weeks, so I'm trying to make up for lost time at this point. But I really want to talk today about the nature of the truth. Because that's what really combines all of these three ideas. That's what Seek was about. Seeking the truth. That's what Pope Benedict spent his entire clerical career trying to defend. And that's what the wise men found today after a long journey. The truth incarnate. Truth is defined as adequatio re et intellectus by St. Thomas Aquinas. Meaning in a concrete correspondence between what I think in my mind and reality. It's the same thing. Right? So if I say it's a beautiful summer day today... There's something wrong, untrue about what I just said. If I said, you know, St. Paul's is the best Newman Center in America, we all know that's a fact that corresponds to reality. <laughs> so you see the difference. But it's when I say something in my mind that doesn't correspond to reality, that's what we say is false. But the, what's really tricky about being a human being is the greatest mystery of every one of us is we're free. We're free to say yes or no to the truth. And in fact, the first temptation of the evil one to tempt us in the Garden of Eden to become like God, what did that actually mean? You will know for yourselves what is good and what is evil. At the core of the temptation of our freedom is to become like God by choosing for ourselves our own truth. And that's what we have to fight against in our world today. You know, because truth, it does what it does to the wise men. They had to go on a journey. The truth is like a star outside of us that shines in the darkness of this world that we can choose to follow or to neglect at our own peril. But when we follow it, it always brings us to truth incarnate, the person of Jesus Christ. So we can choose between conformity or comfort because conformity to the truth demands sacrifice because it demands I change myself to conform to what is outside of me versus comfort of just remaining who I am. So if there's no truth that I have to conform to, I can be comfortable and I don't have to change. So remember this time when I was at a party with some of my friends back in high school and one of them was arguing that he's about 200 pounds and I was like, you're definitely a lot more than 200 pounds. Just look right above your belt and you'll see it all resting right there. And uh, he bet me $20 on it. I was like, all right, let's go find a scale. And we went and he stood on the scale and he was 230 pounds. He took off his coat and brought down 227, but I still got the 20 bucks. So, but he couldn't believe it when he saw that. He like, in his mind, he did not, he was not that big. But when he saw that, like he, he got obsessed with working out, changing his diet and getting himself right. 
Because he had a choice to look at that external truth about his life and see where he lines up against it. And that demanded sacrifice to change. That's exactly what confession is for the soul. It's when I look at the teachings of the Catholic Church that have been handed down through Christ and I measure my life against it. That's a very difficult thing to do because when I actually look at the objective teachings of the church, I have to see myself in light of that and say, how do I measure up? So at Seek Conference, one of the cool things that they were all talking about the truth. A lot of it was emphasized on seeking after Christ and the truth. And one encounter that I I was just impressed by was this young woman I was speaking to. She had never grown up in the faith or anything like that. But she said, she said to me in confession, um, basically, I can't tell you everything, but one thing was, she was, I spent my whole life growing up like I was cultural Catholic, but I didn't really follow anything. She was, all I know is that the truth is not in the world. I've tried living it and I've tried doing my own life and I'm empty and I'm sick of being unsatisfied. And I want to begin following Jesus Christ to see where that leads me. So she, she knew, and that began with a confession. I want to try to conform myself to Jesus Christ and see where that takes me. But that's what's under attack today. Because without the truth, there is no journey. Without truth, there's no conversion. There's no change. And that's because what we're, our world is really filled with is this idea of relativism, which leads to subjectivism. And Benedict, Pope Benedict actually said this is the most profound difficulty that we have to struggle with in our own time. Because relativism, relativism says that I believe absolute truths exist really in science and mathematics. Two plus two equals four, and gravity works if you jump off a building. But as far as morality, I don't follow that. And religion, so like not having sex before marriage is just relative to your beliefs. Or Christianity being the true religion that's just relative to where you are. Versus if you're living in the East, Muslim or Hindu can be your own religion. It's all the same. So relativism was, it says, is there is no truth. That's the absolute claim of relativism. There's no absolute truth, which itself is contradicting. Because to say there is no truth is a statement of truth. It's like me saying, like, there's no such thing as a sentence. That's a spoken sentence. Unless you're talking to Nicholas, then you get just silence or he's abrupt screams out of his mouth that you don't know what it even means. Anymore. But that's, the Fasadi boys are, are young, they're still learning to speak with full sentences. <laughs> but the culture, that's why, and when you follow relativism, what it actually becomes is just emotionalism. Because subjectivism is just how I feel. So if there's no truth outside of me that I have to conform to, all that matters is what I feel at every moment. So God is what makes me feel good. God is the one that gives me really good vibes and just tells me to do my own thing. And anything that hurts my feelings is contrary. It's not true. And that's why one thing that was brought up by a priest at the Sea Conference I thought was great. He said, the biggest denomination of Catholicism, I mean, of Christianity is not Catholicism. It's meism. It's the biggest denomination with the fewest members. It's where everybody's following meism, my idea of Jesus Christ, my idea of following the Lord. And the reason it has the fewest denomination, fewest people in it, is because no one else can fit into my idea of what 
Jesus is. That's why we went from one Catholic church for 1,500 years as soon as uh, Martin Luther broke off, right? Within his own time, there happened to be like 30 different denominations just within his lifetime. Now there's 70,000 Protestant denominations in the world. Plus, and they're only growing. Because once you break off from the Catholic objective truth of revelation, all you are left with is what you think and what you feel. There's no more an objective standard that we measure ourselves against. And we have to admit, there's nothing more difficult in life than to measure myself according to something outside of me. Because that demands change. It demands a journey. It, It demands humbling myself to something above me and getting out of my own world and out of my own self. And that's what the really beautiful thing about the Magi, what they show us, is when we go on to that journey, when we enter into that discomfort to follow Jesus Christ, to follow the truth, it leads us to God incarnate. But there's a flip side to that, that on their way, traveling maybe hundreds of miles, years after this star, to follow Christ, they pass through at the very end, on the very last day in Bethlehem, in uh, Jerusalem, which is just a couple miles from Bethlehem, less than a day's walk. And what was Herod and Jerusalem's response that the, the Messiah that they lived for and waited for was born? They were troubled and they wanted to kill him. And that says something very very existentially true about the nature of truth. Those who do not live according to the truth want to kill those who do. Because they're a condemnation upon their way of life. One girl told me she was beginning to diet and she came from a family that was somewhat obese. She said, as soon as I began to diet and try to get myself together, it's as if my family wanted to disown me. Because she herself became a light to them of a lifestyle that they had to change. And this is nothing new to those who enter into the Catholic faith. That when they start living the Catholic faith, they go back to their families who are maybe just nominally Catholic or Protestant or atheist. And they have to deal with a lot of suffering that comes from their family members. Because when you convert yourself to the truth You become a light in the darkness. And Jesus himself said, this is the verdict. The light came into the darkness, but men chose darkness rather than light. Why? Because their works were evil. We must understand that, that when we convert our life to the truth, we are also going to shine with that same light in the world. And the world hates the light. And that brings us to the dictatorship of relativism, which was coined by Pope Benedict. He said that when truth becomes relative, it then becomes a dictatorship where we are forced to believe whatever the status quo is. When people stop talking to you rationally and begin to silence you because your speech is deemed hateful or dangerous, that's when you're entering into a dictatorship. Because what they're saying is, I can't speak to you logically, so all I'm going to do is use my power to silence you because you hurt my feelings. 
That's the might make rights mentality. It doesn't matter what the argument is. I have power and that's it. And that's what King Herod was trying to do to Christ. But I think that's also a great lesson for us Catholics because we, I don't know if you've seen this, but those who come into the faith, Protestants who can make a lot of sacrifice to enter into the faith, they sometimes are surprised that we who are Catholic, who have the faith, especially us priests, we don't appreciate the truth that has been given to us in the Catholic Church because we're just around it. We didn't have to go through this great journey of discovering it. So we have to be aware of it. One bishop said this, evil preaches tolerance until it is dominant. Then it seeks to silence the good. Evil preaches tolerance until it is dominant. Then it seeks to silence the good. And I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, we are going into the time where silence is going, where the good is going to be silenced more and more because evil has the upper hand in our time. So every single one of us in that context has to ask, who am I going to become in the midst of that? Am I going to cower in fear or stop my journey towards Christ's delight because of the fear of what I can be punished with? Pope Benedict, writing about this very thing, he says, a new intolerance is spreading that is quite obvious. There are well-established standards of thinking that are supposed to be imposed on everyone. For instance, when people say that for the sake of not offending anyone, there must be no crucifix in public buildings. With that, we are basically experiencing the abolition of tolerance, for it means that the Christian faith is no longer allowed to express itself visibly. When, for example, in the name of non-discrimination, people try to force the Catholic Church to change her position on homosexuality or the ordination of women, then that means that she is no longer allowed to live her own identity. In the name of tolerance, tolerance is being abolished. This is a real threat we face. No one is forced to be Christian. But no one should be forced to live according to the new religion as though it alone were definitive and obligatory for all mankind. End quote Pope Benedict and Meditus. So you get rid of Christianity and secularism becomes the new religion. And that's what we are called to bow down to. This is the definitive teaching of the faith and of the saints. If we follow the truth, if we truly give ourselves to the journey to follow that light shining in the star, which is the unchanging teachings of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is the greatest light in this world that holds the unchanging truths since the revelation of Jesus Christ. If we give ourselves to the journey of following that, we will always find Jesus Christ. It brings us to the heart of this altar where he once again comes to be born for us, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the form of bread and wine right here in the holy sacrifice. And that's not a comfortable journey that we are called to take. It demands great conformity and sacrifice and purgation. 
But in the end, there is only one truth. As extremist and intolerant and fanatical as that may sound, there is only one truth, and it is not a mere ideology, it's not a philosophy, it's not a political system, it's not even a morality. The truth that we contain and we profess as Catholics is a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. God made flesh for love of us to save us from our sins. And in one moment, the truth is about to seek us once again on this very altar, just as he did in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. And may we, like the wise men, prostrate ourselves and do him homage. And like them, we will all depart by another way.